Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. <laughs> Let me take that again. You no, actually, no. superhero keep going. <laughs> keep going. Look, it has been a rough couple of weeks, folks, and I apologize for that in advance. We have a couple of episodes in the backlog. Erin uh, and I did a quick response to Bad Batch. Sorry, Aaron and I did a quick response to Mando Episode 8, and then Ashley and I recorded one on Friday night. I, I wanted to get it done as quickly as we could. We had to wait till Friday, and then some life stuff came up. I wasn't able to edit it, and I still haven't edited it because it's Sunday night because then I spaced on it because life has been a lot lately, but excuse me. Today we are back. Myself, Aaron McGowan, are joined by returning host, guest, not really a host, sort of a host, Paul Hoppy. And we're not talking about Mando. We're going to be talking about the full season of Bad Batch. We're doing a season review. What did we love? What did we not like? Uh, who looked best? Whose ass looked best in the clone armor? Uh, all the things. Um, Paul's giving a confused look because he's not been listening as much as they should have been. But that's okay. You're here listening. We're going to have a great time right after these commercial breaks that maybe Elon Musk is in control of. I don't know. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host, they, them pronouns. I'm joined as pretty much with all things Bad Batch by Lady Tano, Aaron McGowan. Aaron, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Aaron, as Matthew just said. Um, if you guys have listened to any of the Bad Batch stuff, you know me. I am, as referenced before, Paul was confused. I'm a clone freak. I'm obsessed with them. They were a big part of my childhood growing up and a big part of my, apparently, sexuality. So... <laughs> Just a warning to everyone. I consider them the dad batch because they are all DILFs. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, Paul, give your introduction. Yeah, I was just trying to picture where in the series there were like a bunch of clone butts, but, you know. <laughs> no, you <laughs> it, have to look for it. Yeah, yeah. It obviously <laughs> didn't leave as much of an impression on me. Um, I, I will throw out, as far as them being DILFs or whatever, they're also like 10. But that's just. You know what? <laughs> So was Aaron, so it's okay. I was seven at the time. <laughs> no, no, fair, fair, fair. I mean, you know, they have adult cognition and all that. Uh, I'm Paul Hoppy, a.k.a. Zen Madman, and uh, yeah, I ju I'm just here to cause trouble. There we go. There we go. Lots of trouble shall be caused. Well, let's just kind of get into it. Um, Paul, everyone's been listening to me and Aaron talk for the last eight weeks about, uh, or no, six, a whole long time. Yeah, a bunch of weeks. The Bad Batch. What do you think of season two overall? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed season two overall a lot. I liked kind of the overall theme of, you know, they were sort of trying to find their place in the galaxy after season one was basically just immediately reacting to what was going on. This season was, you know, it felt like right. th they were choosing their own direction a little bit more as opposed to being as reactive for most of the time. Yeah. Um, I had a very opposite experience to kind of Mandalorian where with... Bad Batch season two overall, I really liked it. The end or last couple episodes, not quite so much. Whereas Mandalorian, uh -huh. uh, I didn't enjoy the season as a whole as much, but I actually enjoyed the ending. So right. <laughs> they kind of played. And I will just say now me. we're gonna vo we might talk about general themes from Mando because I think it's interesting since these two shows were coming out at the same time. We will not 
spoil any spoiler things about Mando season three uh, until the Patreon section at the end, at which point we will be talking about uh, we'll be giving all of our impressions on that. So for patrons, you can stick around and hear that. Uh, but just know, because even though Paul's talking about Mandalorian, we if you haven't caught up with that yet, that's fine. Uh, we're, we won't be spoiling anything. We'll be talking about some of the general stuff about it, but no big spoilers. So, Aaron, what about you? What was kind of your overall feeling on the season? I really enjoyed it. I liked, as Paul kind of said, having more autonomy, seeing what they actually wanted to do and how that looked for them, you know, because the start of the yeah. season, they were like, didn't really know what to do. They were kind of rocking with Sid, but not really rocking with Sid, kind of ready to find something else that's like more meaningful. And then, you know, Echo finds his calling, goes off with Rex. They have that whole emotional reaction, you know, Tech and Omega work through it together, which is really beautiful because in hindsight, it feels like Tech was preparing her for his death, which is really hurtful to me. But, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) yeah. And then we had some fun episodes. Uh, Loved what we got with Crosshair. Like, Mm -hmm. the development is just chef's kiss, you know? Yeah. I, I thought this season especially, we really got some great character development. We got Crosshair. Um, Tech, I thought, had some wonderful character development. Uh, I think we all have some thoughts about where his character arc ended. Uh, the whole going over a cliff thing. Uh, I guess metaphorically and literally. But um, Fee, I thought, was a really interesting character who got... Uh, did she get introduced this season? or No, she'd been introduced last season, I think. No. But, uh, no, she was introduced this season. I thought she had an interesting character arc um echo and you know i i just really appreciated and, and here's maybe a, uh, there's gonna be kind of a bouncing around but we'll go through different themes and stuff i'll start here we we all have feeling you know what actually let me back up a second uh because i'm going to talk about the different characters but I, I feel like it's kind of hard to say let's talk about tech without talking about his death because i feel like we all have feelings about that so let's just get started um paul how did you feel about tech's death i didn't like it uh, yeah. Not in that, like, emotionally rending, like, Boromir at the end of, like, Fellowship of the Ring. Spoilers for uh, that 20-year-old movie. But, like, you know. 70-year-old, <laughs> 80-year-old story. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, sometimes someone, like, dies a hero's death and it feels like it's just, like, it's a natural byproduct of the story. Uh, it, actually, the example I happened to pick, it feels like they like really milked it, you know. But like yeah. here, it felt like the like leading up to tech, you know. It, it just it it was one of those things that to me just feels very predictable. As soon as Fee's yeah. saying goodbye to him, I'm like, oh, there he goes, you know. <laughs> like it it just it it felt like the writing was on the wall, and then they it really felt. That whole thing with the tram just felt like super contrived. And then I felt like they really dragged it out. And it's like, overall, I really enjoyed the sound and the music in the series. But there, whenever like a story is doing something that I find irritating, I like the music gets on my nerves a lot of the time. You know (laughs) what I mean? Because it's like, it feels to me like they're like, feel this, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. You're not going to. You feel like you're not having the emotional reaction it wants you to have. And so all the other things that are trying to get you to have that emotional reaction, you're just going to react even, even more negatively. To. It, exactly. Exactly. And then when you top it off with like, is he dead though? Like he's in Star Wars and he fell. Like the history of characters falling from high places in Star Wars and then showing up again later is like, you know, like most of them, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow tech returned. Like, 
So, so that, that he wasn't even cut in half before he started falling. Right, he didn't even get bisected. You know, <laughs> he's fine. Like, and uh, you know, on the one hand, you can kind of like kinoloy him a bit, where you're just like, yeah, yeah, I, I have this headcanon about whatever happened. But like, also, it's like I feel like the story is probably going to bring him back at some point. He's probably going to end up in that, you know, Nazi doctors like clone lab somewhere. You know. Although it's like maybe it'll be an undead version of tech, which like I'm I'm definitely not here for. <laughs> not that they have undead yeah. per se in Star Wars so much, but you know some some like weird Frankenstein. I, like I don't know, you know. I just like I I didn't enjoy that as it was happening. I saw it coming ahead of time, and then like um, it just. I'm like, is is that actually going to be the end? End. I I did think that the reaction to it between like Omega and Hunter, like that all kind of worked for me, and I really enjoyed Hunter being like, "Do you want to go live on wherever that place was?" Pop. You know, yeah, yeah. And as opposed to being like, "We're going to do this," and then like she does, you know, having having her have agency in that decision, which like I think kids should have input into like where a family lives you know like I, I which i think often doesn't happen it doesn't mean necessarily they get the final choice but it's like yeah I, I think she gets to say things about it and then you know they make a decision and then obviously the story doesn't let them do that but you know maybe that's season five who knows yeah i think i'm very much where you are i i don't mind character death there's something that we talked about a little bit and paul you know you, you and i've gone back and forth on that like as a general rule, I don't mind if, if an important character dies sometimes in a story. I don't like when it's telegraphed so heavily. And I like, because if you told me at the beginning of this last episode, someone's going to die, I would have said, well, it's probably tech. Mm. Because, like, I, I just hate the trope of if you give someone an arc and you give someone who all of a sudden is going to be really sad if they're going to die, guess what? They're going to die. Right. Um, on top of the fact of. I think I and a lot of neurodivergent folk had come to really identify with tech um, and the whole like, no, he gets to not just be the butt of the joke, but yeah, he gets to like the episode where he and Omega like sort of had a falling mm -hmm. out because he just because he's neurodivergent and he couldn't understand where she was coming from. And then the others had to kind of smack him upside the head a bit and he listened and he was able to both be like. I want to connect with you more, but also please understand this is where I was coming from. And she had to listen to him instead of like, that was so great. And watching him and Fee, like Fee be like the most patient love interest that we've ever seen, who most people don't deserve that much, but like, you know, keep bonking him upside the head till they started to get it. And then, I don't know, to have him just die. And then, and then also agree with you to then, I hate fake death. I am, I think it cheapens death. I think it means that I don't, because I, I want to be emotionally affected when a character dies. I, I enjoy that feeling, as horrible as that is. Because <laughs> I, I, so, Side comment, but if you follow Star Wars TikTok and Star Wars Twitter, uh, written in the Star Wars, who's one of my favorite, Danielle out there is one of the best at this, but there's so many of us. And it's like every tweet is like, hey, do you ever think about the fact that the pain this character went through, when you look at it in terms of the pain that this character went through, it actually means that both of them had even more pain. Isn't that terrible? Don't you feel bad now? And we all love that content because we're all masochists in the Star Wars fandom, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, like, I, I don't mind when a character dies. 
But to have it be so telegraphed that it's them and then also to not show us the body because, yeah, because like they could bring him back. It could be a Winter Soldier thing. It, it looked a hell of a lot like one, certainly. It could be like, I hope they don't do this, but you can think literally just give us Echo all over again. Mm. You're talking about there's never been really undead, but there's certainly yeah. been like Frankenstein, like plugged yeah. into the machine. Um, yeah. So to me, it was one of the few sour notes, but it was a very sour note. I would I guess- say. I, I just yes. want to amend my... No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh. Amend. Yeah, I just want to amend my statement about Undead. I mean, Kenobi is literally a ghost in... You know, yeah. I mean, so the, obviously there is Undead, but it's not, you know, a, a huge right. thing most of the it's time. not reanimation. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had zombie Geonosians at one point, but that's... Yeah, and there. I think something with the Night Witches? The Night, the night Sisters? Yep. Oh, yeah, we had... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we've had zombies. Yeah, There's yeah. zombies. So, you know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of my thoughts on text death, because originally I was like, no, fake. <clears throat> I don't accept <clears throat> this. And I just, like, didn't love it. But, like, Matthew and I talked about it on the episode about the finale. And we are just kind of talking through how, like, if it is a fake death, how much that just cheapens everything that's happened. And then Star Wars Celebration happened, and they announced um, season three is the final season of The Bad Batch. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that that gives enough time to even, like, have an arc like that. Because we have Omega and possibly Crosshair to, like, tie up those arcs. Well, actually, definitely Crosshair, because they're in the same place now. Yeah. So Uh I think I've come around to the conclusion that I... One, I wouldn't really want them to bring him back just because I went through so much pain. How dare you? I'm going to hurt you. Um, And just two, because like, I mean, what I said before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's legit. That's legit. Yeah, I wouldn't expect a huge arc or anything. I could see him being like in the same place as Omega and Crosshair. Um, I, I did think overall it was an interesting choice that, like, it felt to me like, okay, the penultimate episode of the season is just going to be them going and getting the information about where Crosshair is, and then the last episode is going to be them going to get Crosshair, right? Like, right. clearly, that's, like, the plan. And then at the end of the first episode, it's like, oh, that that feels like that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> and yeah. and then to like not even go to that place at all, you know, to have that just mm-hmm. totally fail. Um, I think on its own was an interesting choice. And if it hadn't been, you know, right. Surrounded by this whole, I'm going to say melodramatic, uh, you know, orchestrated mm-hmm. death scene, basically. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just like, if there's going to be like a character death, like maybe they just get shot. You know, maybe they just get crushed by a bunch of payroll. Like, maybe they die freezing to death off screen. You know, like, I don't know. It's just some examples for, you know, some some, where some writers could maybe get some (laughs) ideas from some other writers. Yeah, I remember I was reading something about in some totally different show, but where a character did have something like that, where just like they got hit by one of the bullets as they were attacking. Right. And and one of the commentators said, like, this sucked. This character deserved a much better death. Right. And, like, no, not ev- – like, that's not how combat works. Like, right, not right. everyone gets to be Boromir. Yeah. And sometimes you do just get shot, like, even if you're the hero in the hard situation. And, yeah. Well, all right. Well, we got that uh, – we'll probably <laughs> refer back to that a lot. But 
We talked about Tech's death. Now let's talk about Tech's life. Uh, Paul, what would you think of Tech's arc in this season? Yeah, so my introduction to Tech's arc was really editing the podcast that Aaron did with Danielle. And I, I really enjoyed that and both of your perspectives on it. Um, and because I, I like tried to watch all eight episodes first and then do that, but I didn't get it done in time. And I was just like... <laughs> All right, I'll just I'll just edit the episode. So I was like listening to that episode without having seen the source episode, which was a really yeah. interesting experience. So then when I got up to that point and watched it, I was watching it kind of through the lens of that, which um, which was really cool. And I, I did like that was kind of the maybe the turning point episode, right? But even like the pit racing episode and um, or whatever the kind of racing they were doing, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, the one where they go to help out Sid, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, I don't and, remember what they called it. Yeah, I don't either. Like it wasn't pod racing, but it it felt a lot like pod racing. Yeah, <laughs> but like I I enjoyed kind of, you know, Tech got to be a central character in that episode, right? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think him kind of explaining how he just doesn't necessarily experiencing. Th- experience things the same way that someone else might but that doesn't mean he's not experiencing them right it's like he doesn't feel echo's loss or respond to it the same way that another person might but that doesn't mean like he doesn't feel the loss it's just like you know i mean also yeah like as a soldier there's you you deal with that a lot and i mean the the bad batch managed to they kind of had their own group and it seems that they managed to all stay together the whole time and Mm -hmm. you know you could say got really lucky slash were really skilled but you know they certainly saw tons of their their identical to one another brothers you know die in in this war i mean tens of thousands hundreds of thousands however many right and so i i would imagine that you know, that would have a large effect. I mean, personally, um, just having had a lot of people in my life die from a young age. Like, I think one of the reasons that like death on screen affects me a little differently is because I'm like, yeah, I, I dealt with that like in reality when I was eight, you know? So like, I'm not like, oh yeah, I want to feel that. I'm like, no, I'm thanks. I'm good. Like, yeah. you know, but like, um, but I, I do think like in, in reality, like it, it feels different than, than it might, you know? And similarly, like for tech, it's like, um, you know, he just, he doesn't express things exactly the same way, you know, but like, that doesn't mean he's not feeling them or thinking about them. And, uh, I think giving him kind of the, the room to state that I, I think was really cool. Definitely. Well, especially cause like even putting aside any like neurodivergent stuff, and granted, like he's not officially diagnosed as that in this universe. It's just that I think a lot of folks, myself included, who who have that, can look at him and be like, okay, this person feels like me. But also, just in my many years as a relationship counselor um, and, and marital counselor and the like, the number of times where the heart of a problem was like this thing happened, and the two people responded to it in different ways. Well, no, I'm sorry. The two people expressed their their reaction to it in different mm. ways. Mm-hmm. And so one or the other, like, made a judgment about or felt that, like, they weren't respond- they weren't feeling it the same. Like, that there, there was some element of, like, I am going to judge your reaction through the lens of how I would react. Yeah. And I feel like that's exactly what that scene is all about, you know? And I, 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 I like when 
these shows are about, you know, lightsabers and spaceships and the force, but also just about like normal human interactions that can happen. Yeah. And let me then throw this question out to you, because I remember thinking this when when Echo went away. I felt like you for a lot of season one, I liked both Tech and Echo, but they blended together to, for me in such similar like they were different characters, but they felt very similar. I felt like you couldn't really it was essential to give Tech that character growth for Echo to not be there. Or maybe not essential, but it made it a lot easier. And on the flip side, I'm looking forward to maybe getting some more growth from Echo without Tech there. Did you all feel that at all? Did you, did you just kind of like feel annoyed that we lost Echo for a part of the season? What was your thought? I wouldn't say I was annoyed in any way because, yeah, I agree. I love that, like, the character growth it gave Tech and just, like, even, like, Wrecker. Like, they all changed and, like, had a different reaction. Um, so I like to see that. But personally, like, Echo will always stand out to me just because of, like, how mm-hmm. important clones were to me as a child i would literally rewatch episodes and write down any clone name i overheard someone say so every single clone that like screamed in the background and they had subtitles for his name i would like write it down and i would just read that list because i'm literally crazy anyway (laughs) but like echo and fives were like very dear to me so Mm -hmm. even though you know he's changed things are a little different and yeah it's like he's a little more techie because he has the droid arm he's still just like my commando king like he will always stand out to me but i understand that that's not the same experience that everyone has yeah that's fair i would i would kind of echo that um and say <laughs> that uh, <laughs> it was the word that came to mind not i on wish purpose. the pure look of shame on your face as you said that could be captured for our podcast listeners i, I don't know if i'd call it shame but yeah um <laughs> it's uh it, the two characters actually feel very different from one another to me, despite the fact that uh, they share three of the same letters in their names. But, like, they have similar functions in terms of some of the things they're doing on the team, right? Like, yeah. Echo has become more of a, a tech sort of person, right? I mean, because right. he has, it, you know, cybernetics, basically, right? Um but they they feel very different in terms of, I don't know. I, I feel like, in a way, Echo almost feels a bit to me kind of like the heart of the Bad Batch, even though he wasn't there in the beginning. And I think Wrecker seems that way in a lot of ways, right? Like he's a particular type of part of the heart or whatever. But like right. I, Echo, it made sense that he wanted to go and do more, right? Like it, it also made a lot of sense that he wanted to go off with Rex and do more with Rex because like Rex brought him back with the Bad Batch, right? And then he was like, okay, now I'm going to go off with with the Bad Batch because I feel like one of them more than I feel like, you know, one of the regs at this point. But like, still, he feels like he wants to, he wants to do something. Like, I feel like he has more of a, like a drive and purpose, right? Whereas I feel like Tech is... I mean, less overtly emotional, at least, right? And I, and so I don't feel like I get that from Echo. But I agree with what you're saying, Matthew, in terms of not because of their similarity, but I just feel like you remove one character and it gives all the other characters more room, you know? Yeah, and so sure. I, I do think when you took Echo out of the situation, not only did that give um, Tech and Omega something to react to and then talk to each other about, but it also just created more space. You know, the same way, right. if you think about 
before Echo uh, went off, they actually had an episode, I believe, without Hunter and without Echo, and it was Wrecker, Tech, and Omega going off with Sid. And they deliberately split the team up like that, so they give more space, right, for right. each character to kind of uh, yeah. do their thing more and, and breathe, basically. And so I think that worked that way. I think it functioned. If I can kind of go off of what you were saying about Echo kind of being the heart of the group, I feel like a big part of that could be because he was a reg, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was used yeah. to, like, this dutiful purpose of, like, helping people and, like, caring for so many people around him, whereas the rest of the batch is, has always been like, this is our squad, we only really care about our squad, we honestly don't really like anyone else except for our squad, <laughs> yeah. and we do, yeah. like, right. high-intensity, like, insertion, like, missions. We're not, like, yeah. in the streets, working with citizens, you know, saving little girls, things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's also essential because, and here's kind of one of the other point, a larger point I was, that I thought was interesting about the season, is that in a way, it felt like this season to me felt similar to season one of Mandalorian and kind of season two of Mandalorian, at least towards the end, in that a big thing of those early seasons of Mandalorian that I think season three is, isn't doing as much and people have mixed feelings about that. I'm a fan. Other people aren't. That's a whole other question. But in that first episode of season of Mandalorian – Basically, like, Mando wasn't caught up in the galactic... Like, he didn't, you know, go back to rescue Grogu because he was like, you know, screw the Empire. Yeah. He wasn't like, yay, the New Republic. We, the audience, got to learn about the world happening around him because he kept dropping in on things. But he was like, I I I'm just trying to survive. I'm just, you know, making my way in the universe, to quote Boba. Like, and I kind of feel like that's where the bat... That that's that to me felt like a really important part of this season is that the Bad Batch were – they're leaning towards like, well, maybe we really don't like this empire. But like they're not going to get Crosshair because they think Crosshair is a vital you know, uh, element of the empire and they need to take that away or they need to help the struggle. They just want to get their buddy. You know, they, yeah. they want to just happily hide out. Um, and, and I kind of – the reason I wanted to bring up this topic is because I, I feel – I don't think I thought of it before – I don't think they could get there without Echo. And I think with Echo back now, there is going to be more of that tension because I think Echo probably is the one who's the most like, no, there's bad stuff happening out there. The war isn't over. We need to keep doing this. Yeah. If I can just correct myself from before, I panicked and I said that Echo was a commando king. He's an arc trooper. He, he was oh, God, okay. how could you how could both I, I, I just know there's someone listening to this podcast that heard that and was like she's an idiot what a fake fan because I used to like no offense but like listen to earlier episodes of this podcast and I'd be like no I know what they're talking about neither of them can think of it but like I know it and I'd like say it to my radio story and, checks out so uh, hold on one second um doesn't arc arc isn't the c in arc commando you know what I don't want to talk about it <laughs> Hold on. I need to now look this up because I'm not positive. I mean, a fish, it might stand for that, but officially the commandos are different because they have different armor. Okay. So, like, so yeah, in the Star Arc, Wars universe. Arc is advanced recon commando. Yeah. But the Arc troopers have double pauldrons and they have their comma, their little, like, belt skirt. And then commandos don't have any of that, but they have, like, short, fatter okay. guns and they have the blue, like, visors that glow so 
we d- I have talked before about how I'm kind of proud of the fact that we got a one-star review that was all about how we didn't know the exact name of something that you only knew if you'd read. Was that from you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's awesome that you're here That's with that. So uh, funny. It, it is great. And yes, he's he's the arc command. He is the arc. We'll, we'll call him the arc commander. Uh, uh, what was it? Was it daddy? Was that the end word? Dilf. Uh, I said king. Commander. <laughs> oh. It can be daddy. I'm okay with that Aaron, too. Aaron, you muted on us, or do I just stop being able to hear you both? Oh, My that's you. pulled out at the worst possible time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving all of us in, folks, because this is probably comedy gold. <laughs> okay. Now I can hear you both. Welcome back. Anyway. Back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress. Um, uh... Connections with Mandalorian, them not wanting to be heroes yet, Echo's place and all that. What do you got to say for ourselves? So, like, I think Echo's kind of, like, walked both worlds to, you know, reference something else that we're not talking about yet. But, like, you know, he he was very much in the war and with, you know, the regs. And then now he's in the Bad Batch and he's, like, not a reg. But he he's kind of got one foot in each and he kind of, you know, he went back and then he went back back right and like i think he is the one that's gonna kind of bring them around to yeah not necessarily just the idea like there's stuff going on and we need to do something about it because it's important that we do something about it and that might be the direction they go but i think it could be just as easily it could be more of sort of an andor situation of no we want to try and get away with it away from it and then realizing there is no away from it. You know, like the empire is expanding. They're increasing their control over more and more places. And there's there's just not going to be anywhere to go, right? Like, I thought it was really nice that... Is it Palu? No, it's... Pabu. 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 I had three letters, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice that on Pabu, like... You know, I that episode where they first showed up there and it's like they're basically fighting a tsunami, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it felt a little kind of like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. But at the same time, it was like, it was nice that they weren't fighting the Empire. You know, I liked yeah. that there were a couple episodes where it was basically just them against nature trying to survive, right? And just not always having, like, a human or, or you know, alien humanoid um, or just, like, a big giant animal to fight. It's like, no, there's, like, right. circumstance. They're trying not to fall off a cliff when they're in one of those big treasure bins, right, with um, the Dooku treasure. Yeah. Like, like there was a fair amount of that, which I, which I enjoy, you know? It's like you don't always need to be shooting at someone to have some sort of physical struggle. And yeah. I, I think... Um, but it's like I could see... The Empire eventually invading Pabu as soon as I learn how to say it right. That's probably when it's doomed, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> you have till next season. We have to get right by then. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was like the whole thought. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, like, maybe there's nowhere to go, you know? And yeah. it's like it could be more of a choice, like, okay, we want to try and go do something because it's important to do something like that. Or it could be like, yeah. All right. They've left us no choice. You know, we're, we're in another war, whether we want to be, or we don't. For me, I think it really came to light when, cause it, you know, it's funny. It, you don't often think about what's not happening. And so I hadn't really been thinking as much about the fact that like, cause they're fighting the empire almost every episode. Mm-hmm. So you don't think about the fact that they're kind of not like 
they're fighting the Empire only out of necessity. They're not being rebels yet by any means. Right. And I don't think I really thought of that until they had that ep- that final episode, a second final episode, where they run into Saw Gerrera. Right. And to me, I thought what I love so much about that episode, I'm curious what you all thought of that and, and about Saw in general, is that like people act as though – there's been a lot of discourse about it online, which I don't want to get into. But like a lot of the stuff I saw was like, oh, you know, they were doing better. Like Saw should have stopped for them or whatever. And to me, what – the point of that scene, one of them, is that there, there's two fundamentally different things happening. Saw is there to fight the Empire. He's there to fight injustice. They're just trying to rescue their friend. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything bad about that goal or that, like, you know, hierarchies of nobility or anything like that. But I do think it's pretty clear that, like, one of these groups are rebels and the other are just – the phrase out for themselves has a very pejorative connotation and I don't mean it that way. But that's what they are, as opposed to you know, I mean, they're out they're, for their friend as well. Yeah. But but it, 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 they have a personal goal, where Saw has a much more like broad galactic goal. Yeah. Although I mean, you know, you could say like his broad galactic goal is motivated by vengeance as much as anything, and is you know formed from his own sure. personal experience. But like, uh, which isn't to say it's bad. You know, it's just that there's. Right. You know, everybody's kind of got their own reasons for the things that they choose to do. Uh, Yeah, I would say not as much like uh, to basically take uh, out for themselves and kind of reshape it a little bit. I I would say they are, um, you know, motivated by survival and like looking out for their own kind of. Right. You know, like they're they're willing to stick their necks out to try and rescue and, and help kind of a. A subset of people, you know, they're they're not trying to make huge change. They're basically trying to, they're they're like a surgical strike team, right? Like they've yeah. they've always been doing like missions that are very specific. They're not fighting the massive battles most of the time, and um, and I think that that kind of that's how they see things, right? They see things right. about the mission, not about like the quest. Yeah, all right, maybe that made sense. I don't know. Just saying, yeah, as in, I, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, you both thought I had more to say, and I don't. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, yeah, I, I think it's a good way to put it again. I like it, like, it's again, it's what I, I'm enjoying about the show, and I think it's Andor, I think, clearly kind of set a very high bar in terms of like, let's go for moral grayness, let's go for like moving as far away from we can from the like good guys, good, bad guys, bad. And I feel like this show kind of followed in those footsteps in a lot of ways, you know, and that – and I think there's a lot of – there's still for a lot of folks the opinion of like, oh, well, it's animated, so it's the more kid show, etc. This this felt to me like it was – I hate most of those ideas in general, but like this felt like it was – it the topics weren't simplistic in the way I think people often associate with a kid's show, you know, and I think mm-hmm. like all the stuff we got about Crosshair and some of the others, I was really impressed with that level of storytelling. Yeah, and I mean, that's what's so good, in my opinion, about Dave Filoni. That's what he's always been good at, if you exclude the first two and a half seasons of The Clone Wars. It's always been like, like, The Clone Wars is a heavy show. I've been watching it through with my brother, and he's like Mm -hmm. 26. And he's like, damn, this is like dark. Oh, excuse me. I mean, and even... even in isn't it in season one of Clone Wars where we get the episode with the the th- theoretical deserter, the the cut who has kind of like gone off and had his own life and Rex is like you're supposed to be a fighter and he's like no I'm not and they 
like they talk about the nature of like our clones do they have independence and stuff like i agree with you season first two and a half seasons are pretty weak but even they have some 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 episodes that go real dark real, real deep yeah i mean i i think just also just the animation like in the beginning is really rough like it it yeah. gets yeah. better over time, you know? And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, Lee was watching it for the first time and she was like, she was like, this is depressing, you know? And then Rebels is like also depressing, but a little more hopeful, you know? Like the Clone Wars is basically the period of time that leads up to the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. And like, it's this big war that's just incredibly stupid because it's one yeah. side against itself, basically. It's all just a setup and just, Tons of people dying and suffering for just absolutely no good reasons, you know, and you can say that, like, whether or not there should be a republic and whether systems should be independent and whatever. It's like, sure, there's there's a whole lot to say about that. But like the way the whole thing actually went is like ridiculous, you know, and right. uh, but the show, I think, is is very good at showing a number of different perspectives and experiences throughout that that whole war. And then um you know, I think I think Rebels on average is generally like a little better, right? Like mm. things are learned, right? Like you start a series yeah. somewhere and then uh, also maybe like there was an idea that like, you know, the beginning of the Clone Wars was aimed at a certain age group. And then usually as a series like that progresses, you know, say someone's seven when they watch season one. Well, they're going to be eight when they watch season two and they're going to be, you know... Right. Mm-hmm. older than that i don't know math um like as as the series goes on right and so generally right. series often tend to like quote unquote kids series tend to have a bit of a trajectory where they get it's not necessarily darker but sometimes heavier and sometimes a little a little you know deeper and so or they try to go deeper mm-hmm. in certain subjects you know yeah um and and yeah, I think I think Filoni's stuff does a, a really good job of that. And then every now and then has a scene like this thing with tech, which there was a scene like that in Rebels that <laughs> not everybody felt yeah. the same way. But like, I was just like, oh, man. Uh, but yep. no spoilers for that, because you still haven't covered that part of Rebels yet, right? No, we haven't. And the, the Hayashis who had been with it, um, I need to because now we have this down period. I think we're going to here's my thought. We're way off topic here, but I'll give this thought quickly. My thought is that we're going to spend a lot of the time between now and the Ahsoka show, which is coming in only a couple of months, doing kind of like some Ahsoka, you know, primer stuff, some other things like that. And then after Ahsoka, we should have a good long time at that point, hopefully with the Hayashis, if not with some other folks, maybe yourselves included, we will hit the last episodes of uh, Rebels. Cool. We have the last like season and a half. I will also say uh, somehow our episode coverage of the last episode of the Clone Wars I can't find and has gotten deleted from online. So I might just have us re-record on that. And I might finally be willing to talk about Solo on air. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Because as I've said, as long as I just pretend it doesn't have the word Star Wars attached to it, I think it's a really fun movie. Yeah, um, Solo. It's just about a guy on his own. Solo. That's yeah, that's the only thing exactly. that that means. I will um, say, Matthew, I noticed that the last episode of Clone Wars is gone, and it drove me crazy. Like, I was so excited <laughs> to hear everyone's thoughts, and it's like, the last episode was missing, and then you did, like, a wrap-up episode, and yeah. I was listening to the wrap-up episode, I was like, this doesn't make sense. They're referencing <laughs> an episode that doesn't exist. 
And then I totally forgot about it until you brought it up now. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's I'm right. So sorry. <laughs> well, well, instead of listening to it, you'll probably get to be a part of yeah. it. So, and, I mean, oh what no. we're, we... We want to do Ahsoka primer, and like that's some major Ahsoka content. So anyway, that was one of the best Dad. episodes in any Star Wars ever. Also, by the way, yes, and I, I think we covered it well. Like I really enjoyed covering that. I remember where I was standing and like what the weather was like. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I I'm gonna keep digging through my hard disks. I just don't think I have it. Um, anyway, though, back to this because uh, I don't want to make this episode go too long. Those were some of the major points I wanted to cover. Um, well, first of all, do either of you have any other thoughts about Saw Gerrera and his showing up? Uh, or if not, other things you wanted to, to mention about this season? I always like to see Saw because I think his, like, quote, quote, extremist views and, like, actions always challenge our main characters. Like, he's never been the main character. He's just there to, like, make other people think harder. And I kind of like seeing how different people react to that. Because, you know, like, in the Republic, they were, like, kind of all there for that. They were like, yes, we're going to teach you how to be a terrorist. Let's go. (laughs) And then he just kept doing that. And then eventually people were like, hey, stop that. And then, you know, we see him in Rogue One and... He's, like, at this downfall, and I just loved... I always love seeing Sagarera. I love having so much growth as far as, like, in age range. I love seeing that much growth from a character who's not, like, a focus character. Like, it's just, like, checking in. Like, what's been happening with Saw? And then it gives mm-hmm. a lot of room for, like, imagination. Yeah. Yeah, I like... Um... Seeing him show up, seeing him show up there seemed a little odd, and I felt like they probably could have worked through their conflict uh, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, can you just blow it up after we get on the ship? Like, can, can we just, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. maybe we could talk this out with, like, two or three sentences, but... Um, it, I, I, it felt a bit contrived. I'll fully agree with right. that. Right. And, and like I f- a lot of things around text def. Yeah, and, and I feel like a lot of times Saw is used in that kind of, like... Like, he's probably right, right? Like, most of the time. But the, I feel like they kind of don't want him to be right. But it's like they... Yeah. It's 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 that sort of, like, when you have a villain who's who's got a really good point, but then they go too far. And I feel like with Saw, it's like, I don't, I don't know if he's actually going too far. Like, maybe most of the other people aren't going far enough in a lot of things. And, um... You know, maybe maybe that at the end of it kind of is maybe he doesn't have a long game as much, but like they're kind of thinking about the long game so much that they just have no short game like and that they're like, you know, just kind of kicking the ball down the road. And it's like, you know, the the empire is only going to get stronger. So, like, you, you have to do something. I mean, I think Saw is one of the few people who was like, no, the, this fight never ended. Right. Like, he never, you know, he recognized that the this new Empire thing was just as bad, if not worse. Yeah. And I kind of think there's a weird connection, but Saw feels a lot – the way that we think about Saw feels a lot like the way we think about Magneto. And, and mm. what I mean by that is especially yeah. that I think Saw is a wonderful – illustration of what I think has been since the very beginning, the first movies way way back in the 70s and 80s, you know, one of the core ideas is that if you are driven to, to, to fight something, even if it's like something bad, but you're driven by 
anger or vengeance or, you know, uh, revenge or those kind of things that you're, you know, that if it's the force, at least that that's what takes you to the dark side, you know, and that's the, the emperor wants them to lash out in their hate and things like that. And that represents an idea of like, yeah, like no matter how unjust, how much you're fighting injustice, you have to still, you know, love the enemy and like, you know, see the humanity in them and that kind of thing. And I think Saw is a living embodiment of what they're talking about, of he mm. is, as you said, Paul, driven primarily by vengeance and what happened to his sister and what happened to his planet and a lot of these things. And that sometimes he doesn't see the full picture because of that. But I also think that they've told his story in a way that's that's because like – in the same way that, like, Magneto is presented as kind of a pure villain back at the time Star Wars was originally being made, and today, most of the time, it's like, no, he's really got a point. We, the writers, just have to make him so extreme that you stop liking him again, which it seems is happening with Saw as well. Um, like, it just feels a very similar thing of, like, people are really starting to understand, like, maybe some of the darks, maybe some of the idea of acting out of anger, acting out of vengeance, acting out of fury for justice is not always bad it's just that it's a lot harder to control and and so i see a lot of that in saw and i Mm -hmm. i think it's very easy to write off saw as like saw bad our heroes good which if you like luthan and andor congrats you're a hypocrite like it's the same (laughs) kind of idea and not exactly the same but but similar but like yeah I i just think it's a really interesting thing like Oh, and I, I, there's no. I would just sum up and repeat myself. So yeah, the, the saw is the kind of idea of turning to the dark side, but also maybe it's not quite so bad as we thought it was when the movie started. Yeah, and I sometimes think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like sometimes you need a sharp sword or something. Kind of is the yeah. you know, and I mean the the Jedi carry they carry lightsabers. <laughs> like the, those aren't like stun guns, you know, like yep. in like the Jedi could really fight a lot more peacefully if they really wanted to, you know, but it's like, you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you need to blow stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Always for defense, never for attack, but sometimes <laughs> the best defense is a good offense. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any last things uh, any of you all wanted to bring up? Um, a few favorites from the season, uh, Commander Mayday, Stole My Heart, and then Broke It. Yeah. Um, yeah. really great episode. Um, really hurtful also seeing Crosshair just, like, oh, yeah. broken like that. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Hauser again. <gasps> oh my god, I was so happy! Hauser? Okay. I know I always say the Bad Batch are dilfs. Yes. Hauser's a dilf, though. Like, with those grays he's got coming in and that scar. Oh, I was so happy to see him again. I want him back. I want him back in season three, but I want him to be a bigger part of it just because I like Mm -hmm. his face. Even though it's the same face as everyone else. You get it. I I did like that they brought back some of those folks, that it wasn't just like, hey, it's all done. But then, yeah, like... The fact that you could introduce Mayday, give him just this small part helping Crosshair, and then his death feels – and I think the fact that his death felt so significant to us meant that his death being the thing that really affects Crosshair so much made total sense. Like that mm-hmm. – to me, is just brilliant writing. Yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes of the season and like, you know, that – to me, that's like – that's how you do a character death, you know? Yeah. It's like – and that was stupid. Like that's a stupid death. 
Like, there's no reason for him to die. But the point is, he died because of that lieutenant, right? Yep. Who was incompetent and malevolent. And then yeah. I was just like, I was like, just just shoot him, Crosshair. Just shoot. He shot him. Yes, <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, yes. I, I should actually, that should have been one more topic before Aaron and one here was else on your list, though. What did you think, uh, and Paul, throw it to you since we've talked about it a good deal. What did you think of Crosshair's arc this season? Yeah, I thought it was great. It, it's it's a great example of how you can do a really strong character arc and show a lot of what someone's going through without having them say a word about how they feel. You know, mm-hmm. you can have arcs where somebody's expressing their emotions, but here I feel it watching it. You know, I I feel how he's feeling in the episodes. I mean, he got a couple of episodes that were basically his episodes, right? And then he also was woven through some other episodes here and there. And just the fact that he was so, like, good soldiers follow orders, you know? And, like, this is my purpose. This is what I'm here for. And, you know, when when he shot that, uh, the the governor of that, you know, former separatist place that now is, is part of the Empire, um, and now she's the former governor... But like that, that felt like that's like how devoted he was to not to the cause in terms of like, like he doesn't believe in it. Right. He doesn't necessarily care about it, but he's like, this is just who I am. What this is what I do. You know, it's what I've always done. It's what I was born for. It's what I'm good at. And then to see him face like just the extent to which. The Empire just doesn't care that he's given everything. You know, it, it reminded me of the, the Clive Owen line in The Born Identity. You know, look at what they make you give. And, you know, like they basically they ask everything from you and they just give you nothing in return. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you've done, except whether it, you know, checks their boxes and accomplishes their goals. And the fact that, you know, for, for him to see just how disposable all of them were doing things that were so dumb, like they were guarding uniforms or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, they're on this like frozen planet. And then it just, it just felt right to me, you know? And it, it felt yeah. simple. It felt like a simple arc. It's not, a, it's not an arc. It's not an arc. It's a, it's a right angle, you know? <laughs> like it's not a 180 cause he's not all of a sudden like, I'm going to fight the empire, but it's just like, he's going in one direction and then he just hangs a hard right turn. And yeah. and it's like, it's sudden, but it just feels right. And it feels like maybe there was some doubt all along, but he was like, but no, this is what I do. This is who I am. And then he gets to this point and it's just the breaking point. And it's like, forget it. This is ridiculous. What am I doing? And I think I, I never really put this together until I was listening to you speak, but I think it's really important that his break has nothing to do with the rest of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Like, in, I think you would have expected it to be something like where he saw like one of his former brothers was about to get killed. And, and right. that story can work, but that's so trope. And, and I think for him, but also he, because in his mind, they all betrayed him. And he has right. such, so many of these complicated feelings. So yeah, for, for it to be someone like Mayday instead, I don't know. I just think, I, I think it makes the story even stronger that it's not about them. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in season two, like they kind of, I mean, season one, the end of season one, they basically did that, where the Bad Batch comes back and then he turns against the Empire just to save them, basically, mm-hmm. right? But then he's like, no, I'm still with the Empire. I just, you know, was yeah. going to save your butts because some people like to look at them. So, you know, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe he appreciates <laughs> Just for I'm appreciating story. your appreciation. I didn't. I didn't mean that to sound like like uh, no, snide or anything. No, it's so funny. <laughs> I like it. Okay, uh, Aaron, what else is on your list? Um, I mean, nothing crazy. The Indiana Jones episode was pretty fun. You know, I mm. liked having like the fee centric episodes and stuff where she just wouldn't be around for a few episodes and then she just hop in and be like a role model for Omega or be like the fun person or you know a love interest so mm-hmm. I liked Fee in general and seeing her Wanda Sykes is always great so there was no going wrong there yeah she's like the fun aunt kind of it feels like absolutely yeah, yeah. and I thought well, actually, I'll be curious Paul this is another good one to throw at you I know you often don't like romance plots because they feel contrived or put on. I felt like the flirtation with her and Tech, A, it was just done in a very charming way, but also it was done in a way that really kind of highlighted who he was and his growth. Um, other than the, oh, by the way, now that you're about to get a kiss, that means you have to die. Um, what did you kind of think of, of, of the, the fee and Tech of it all? Yeah. I mean, I would I would describe it more as her flirting at him. Yeah. You know, um, and it it felt, I liked it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it didn't really go beyond that, like, until the very end, and then it's like, oh, now he has to die, or fall to an inconclusive end. Now he has to Bucky Barnes. Let's just call him that. Now he has to Sherlock. I mean, you know, if we're going to go back a hundred some odd years. Oh, boy. That, too. (laughs) All right. Tropes have well, been tropes I, a long time. <laughs> That's why they're it's tropes. A, it's a specific falling from a tram train. Oh, sure. There. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Okay. It is extra Bucky. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Paul, do you have any other last things you want to bring up? Yeah, really just short notes. Like, I do really enjoy kind of the, the pre-bellion, you know, um, with mm-hmm. the, the clones uh, starting their, their thing. And um, I enjoyed that Cody, like, left. After after Crosshair yeah. shot that governor, you know, um, especially because I mean he, he was quite murderous towards Jedi right away um, in yeah. in live action, right? Um, and yeah, so I, I enjoy that direction. It feels like it shares some DNA with Andor in a way, in that way, you know. Um, and then uh, the animation just, uh, you know, the the face is still. And, like, the hair, I think, still leaves something to be desired compared to, like, you know, some of the best animation out there. But um, the landscapes and just the variety of landscapes and often sometimes, like, the sound design around, like, where they are. uh, There's just so many different environments. And I think that's one thing that uh, animation sometimes can capture better than live action. And I I feel like... um, that was really beautiful, and I really enjoyed just how many different places they were and how they all felt really different. Yeah. yeah. There was the whole Wookiee Jedi thing, too, right? Like, yep, so. Gunji. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. fun. 
Were you going to say something else? Oh, Aaron? yeah. I was just going to say there's just a lot of really beautiful, like, landscape shots or, like, horizon mm-hmm. shots of, like you were saying, a bunch of different types of planets. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you both. There is so much more we could say about the show. I'm sure it is one we'll keep coming back to because it's setting the stage, obviously, for a lot of other great stuff to come. Uh, and we will talk a little bit more about Mandalorian in a patron section. Uh, but before then, for folks who don't know where to find you, uh, where is Zen Madman creating content these days? Yeah, uh, Zen Madman's tweeting and whatnot, but also creating low content poker and chess books for people who are into that kind of stuff and uh, writing some stories. And uh, I guess I have a website, ZenMadman.com. That will, there'll, there'll be some links and stuff there sooner or later it'll it'll be a little more more user friendly but uh yeah and then maybe twitch soon but not yet and youtube cool yeah I, I'm, I'm doing too many things <laughs> too many things Love it. <laughs> what else is new Aaron? Yeah. what about yourself yeah um you can find me at lady tano creates that's t-a-n-o for tano as in ahsoka i cosplay her so that's what most of my account is about i have an instagram and a tiktok I also have Facebook. Um, that's just under my name, Erin McGowan. Um, but it's not the one where I have brown hair and it's long because that was my high school Facebook and I got locked out of it. And no matter how many times I report it, they won't take it down. <laughs> Anyways, if you want to see like events I'm doing in the Twin Cities, I guess, I do put stuff like that on Facebook. But mostly on TikTok and stuff, I do tutorials. Or not tutorials, but like a come along with me as I stumble my way through crafting cosplay things and then on instagram is mostly like updates on big things and then photos from cons and things like that so if you're interested in learning more about cosplay as i also learn more about cosplay drop a follow if not just glad you listened you know he's definitely checking out i i will confess that in the last video you were doing a whole bunch of stuff with glue in what looked like a closed garage uh, and so part of me both wanted to be like, please open a window, but also this could be entertaining if she doesn't open a window. Uh, but none of that happened. So it seemed like you were totally fine. No, because um, I literally told someone recently, I love Flex Bond because it smells so good. <laughs> and that's the glue I was using. And they please were like, Erin, you can't say that. And I was like, oh, you're right. Like, that's not great. Like, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Anyone who is listening, particularly any legal types, do not sniff glue. Do not sniff glue. Do not sniff magic markers. Don't don't sniff things, just in no. general. Um, anyway, uh, I am the Ethical Panda. You search for the Ethical Panda. Most places you'll find me. Uh, all the links are in the show notes, though. And send us your feedback. We love getting feedback from you all. Um, so good to have it all. Um, I've been getting some more. We're going to do an, uh, the the episode we're going to do about celebration is when I'm going to read a bunch more of the feedback we've been getting. But thank you so much to all of you who are sending in feedback. Uh, and of course, yeah, let us know what you think. What did you think of Bad Batch? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Let us know. Uh, of course, you can sign up to become a patron. And if you do, you'll get access to the bonus content. There's a lot of other great things. And just also help keep the lights on. So on behalf of myself, Paul, Aaron, thank you all so much for listening. We have spoken. So yeah, welcome back to our patrons. Uh, still have Aaron and Paul on the line. And so we're going to shift gears now and do just kind of some quick hits on Season 3 of Mandalorian. If you've not seen it yet and don't want to be spoiled, hit pause. This will be waiting for you when you come back. Uh, but, Paul, let me start with you once more time. What do you think of Season 3 of Mandalorian? What's that? Uh, the Book of Bo-Katan? 
So <laughs> yeah, book of, book of Bo-Katan. Um, I didn't love it. I did not love it. Uh, I didn't hate it though either. Like there were just a lot of things that felt to me like just kind of off and kind of contrived and like I I did not love the execution of a lot of things. There were a lot of moments I enjoyed. Um, I liked where it ended up. I enjoyed the final episode a lot. I really enjoyed the like kind of three person team up fight. I thought that was really cool and really well done. Uh, A lot of the fight choreography was really cool. Um, Latif Crowder did some freaking amazing like capoeira in a Mandalorian suit in like full Beskar armor, which is ridiculous. Like that's extremely impressive. Who is that person? That's Din Djarin. Oh, oh that's, that's the stunt actor for Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is like never in the suit. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I knew that. Right. I, I didn't like, know who you were referring to. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Um, yeah. So uh, some of the like, all of them flying around and shooting at each other felt a little kind of like vague and formless to me. And like episode seven, I really was not crazy about, but, um, but it's like, it kind of, it's kind of like, eh, it worked out in the end. You know, I thought it was kind of hilarious how the dark saber, which is like so cool and could be used so well, ended up like the plot point was basically that it didn't really matter. And that it only mattered in the way that it mattered to people. And, like, it just got crushed. And it's just, like, yeah. kind of funny. Although, at the same time, mm-hmm. like, poor one out for the Darksaber. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and I feel like it was really underused in the season in terms of just from a tactical sense. Um, yeah. Which I found annoying. But at the same time, I can kind of be like, uh... I guess neither of these characters really... I mean, it kind of makes sense that Din doesn't use it that much because he's he's not actually good at using it. Um, once Bo-Katan caught it, I was kind of like, why don't you just cut through that thing now? Like, And then when like Paz Vizsla was able to just take out everybody, it was like, why couldn't the rest of you take out everybody as a team? And, and so that stuff like really annoyed me. Um, but then in the next episode, they kind of redeemed themselves and I felt like the next episode was good. Um, also the, the idea of like a season of a show, not really being about the main character is something I'm still kind of uncomfortable with, like, but like, and and so the fact that, I mean, this really was the book of Bo-Katan, right? Like I, I have a caveat to that, but like, yeah, it's the same way that Din Djarin getting a full episode of book of Boba felt just felt weird to me. I was just like. What are you, wh- where's Boba Fett? Like, the, the show's called Book of Boba Fett. Where's Boba Fett, you know? Um, and I just feel like that's the sort of thing that's... It's been happening a lot. It happens in a lot of different ways. I'm sure there's a lot of really horrible takes on it, like, in certain ways. But, like, it's just... Yeah. I, honestly, I, I wish they just called this, like, The Mandalorians. Or, like, just make a show like the Book of Bo-Katan. Or you could call it something else. But, like, yeah. make it clear that it's, like, a different show. Because it was a different show for the most part. Yeah. I have a... I, that, th- yeah. That thing I said before about, like, how the Bad Batch felt like seasons one and two of Mandalorian. This, th- in the same way, kind of, like, Rebels was about, like, them slowly deciding to join up. And then they join up. And it's pretty yeah. different. Here, this... Yeah, it is... But it's called Rebels. So it's, like, that feels like, oh, yeah. You know? Right. 
And it's like, this is the Mandalorian. And then this season was very clear. It just felt like an alien aliens thing was just such a layup, you know, mm-hmm. just add an S, just add an S. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, the caveat to that, and then I'll just stop talking for the rest of this whole segment, is that the biggest thing about Din Djarin throughout the first two seasons, um, I forget who made this point, but I thought it was a really good point, is that he really seems to like make the people around him better. Like a huge theme of the show is, first of all, the influence Grogu has had on him and like the, the experience of being a dad, right? Like how that's affected him. But then how he affected um, the people around him, including, uh, you know, to an extent, Boba Fett and um, Fennec Shand, but also Cara Dune and uh, a number of others, right? Um, uh, Grief Cargo, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I might be saying his name. Grief, right? That's his name, Grief. Yeah, yeah Grief um, Cargo. So, like, there's... Yeah, I, I said Cargo, which is... That 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 felt wrong. So, Cargo, yes. Um, but so, he's had this, like, very positive effect around, on people around him without being like, I'm the Mandalorian and you should do this. You know, it's like, it's, it's yeah. kind of subtle. And it's just by him being who he is and trying to do what he's trying to do. And I felt like that was actually very present in this season in terms of the interplay between him and Bo-Katan and how they kind of both made each other better, you know? Yeah. And, and how she got to where she needed to be in order to... I guess rule the Mandalorians again, right? And right. and help the Mandalorians return to Mandalore and take it back. And there were parts of the execution of that that really fell flat for me. Um, especially the like that just the episode where they first go back to Mandalore, just it it just felt a little goofy to me in some ways. Mm-hmm. Partially because it like it was a bunch of Muppets and they weren't Grogu, you know? But like Aside from that, like, if you just put the story on paper and then you take the moments between those characters, um, I really appreciate that aspect of it. So, like, that one thing is the thing that kind of, like, brings it back from being, like, this is weird that this show is such a different show and it feels like it's just a very different focus to being, like, but at the same time, it still has the same focus. It's just maybe a little wider now. I don't know. Yeah. I have spoken <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> Aaron, did you want to jump in with anything? No, I'm very <laughs> tired, yeah. and I that's fair. I yeah, yeah, we should wrap soon. Say. <laughs> that's okay. fair. Okay, I'll I'll just kind of go through some of that, and we'll let go and let Aaron get to sleep. Um, I definitely hear what you're saying. Paul and I actually had an interesting conversation offline about how, which which I keep thinking about. Like, to me, the naming of the shows doesn't bother me as much. I'm perfectly happy to just sit down and watch whatever story they're going to tell me about whatever characters they're going to tell me. But I do feel like like the, the, the idea that keeps coming to my mind is, like, you had the Batman, the animated series, and then later that character and most of the same characters and voice actors and certainly the same continuity got be, be, was made a part of the Justice League TV shows that came after it, yeah. which had very different tones. And But Batman was still the same, all the characters were still the same, but the focus wasn't just him. To me, that's where we are now. And I, I, I think, especially because like the end of season two, his mission at the beginning of season one was to get Grogu where he needed to be. He did that. Yeah. 
if you'd said that was the end and then said Book of Boba Fett is actually going to be the Mandalorians or, you know, Raiders of the New Republic or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is going to be. <laughs> right. And then Boba Fett was season one and this is season two. And like they all can, you know, and like, uh, you know, Appa flying around in his X-Wing. Sorry, not Appa. Uh, Iroh. Tiva. Uh, <laughs> say again? I said Uncle Iroh, but yeah. Uncle, yeah, yeah, any of the, um, uh, we're talking about Carson Tiva, yeah. um, you know, flying around, writing speeding tickets in his X-Wing and also making policy decisions about bounties, which <laughs> most traffic cops don't get to do, but fair enough. I mean, um, he's not technically a traffic cop, right? You understand that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> he was just doing a thing, but like... It, it's the fact that he gets pulled over to check some... The, yeah. the first time we meet him is when he checks someone's license and registration. Um, but yes, agreed. But yeah, so... I put all of that there. I think the execution didn't bother me anywhere near as much, but I definitely can feel why it would. Um, I, I Let me ask you this. Do you think the goofiness or things like that... Is it fair to say that Andor raised the bar so much as well that this suffered somewhat because of that? hundred um, percent. I will say that I went back and watched episodes from seasons one and two, and I just think it's a higher quality. I think the writing was better. I think the execution was better. I think there were things that were done really well here still, you know, but yeah. uh, I just think the writing was better. I mean, the way Iron, one, Iron Man 1 is better than Iron Man 2, you know? It's like it's yeah. the same basic thing, but it's you know one's just it's just a little better. But I mean, how many years did they all have to think and plan and be like, if we hit TV with yeah. Star Wars, we need to do it right? And now, like, yeah, I agree. I think Filoni's great. I think Favreau's great. How many shows are they working on right now? Right. Like, I just don't think you have the, the amount of like staff focus, you know, on on this. Yeah, I think um, you can get spread thin, but absolutely. I mean, yeah, Andor yeah. raised the bar for everything. I mean, yeah. I'll definitely just say on the Darksaber, well, the one thing I'll say is the reason why I do think it was Din's story as much as Bo-Katan's is because I think at least, A, I mean, just all the stuff he goes through with Grogu and all that, but much more than that, I think the journey he goes on that is framed by the two times he tries to give Bo-Katan the Darksaber, the first one being, you're not a real Mandalorian, I don't care. This sword is stupid. Just take it. Yeah. All the way to, you don't follow the creed I do, but you're my leader. You're a true Mandalorian. You're the true Mandalorian. I want you to have this. Like, to me, that's the journey he went on. And Mm. it was very subtle. It was very much in the background. And it felt like Paul and I, when we did a review of uh, Batman Returns, which is the second Michael Keaton Batman movie talked about how like Batman didn't really have an arc in that movie, and that's True. actually kind of nice to yeah. sometimes just have Batman be Batman. I, I, I kind of that's what I'd apply to this one is that I don't think he had the biggest arc, but I do think he had a real arc and a real journey. And I, but I also think as you said, he was just essential for everyone else's uh, journey yeah. along it. Yeah, and I mean, you could have told the same story and just like changed a few things and maybe done some things that I would have thought were more well written. And I might have loved this yeah. season, maybe. On the yeah, other hand, yeah. like, it also is, like, now it's like, yep, we're going in towards the future, the sequel movies. And I'm like, and maybe this is just where I get off, you know? That's fair. Like, and that's, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. I, I think I'm still solidly in in the same way that the pre, that Clone Wars makes the prequels watchable mm-hmm. for me. 
uh, this is going to make this this and some of the books is making the sequels make a lot more sense. I'm still going to hate Rise of Skywalker. Raise of Skywalker. That's not why I hate it. Don't at me. Um, and I get why, you, you know, Last Jedi is never going to be your movie. But um, yeah, well, I mean, and, I, I, mean I feel the, like it's mm. filling in the gaps in a way that I, that I find satisfying. Yeah. It's I, making Force Awakens better. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, not for me, but I, I enjoy Force Awakens. Awakens? Force Awakens as a movie unto itself. And like, yeah. I, I've found a way to kind of like quarantine separate parts of whatever, you know? And like mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, the, the, the prequels still aren't really, uh, the fast forward button makes them watchable for me. Like, it's just like, oh, we got some dialogue, okay. And it's like, oh, cool lightsaber battle. And, and oh, Christopher Lee. <laughs> like, I watch Christopher <laughs> Lee all day long. Like, oh, yeah. Except for that one terrible scene, but yes. Well, it's funny also because what you're saying, Paul, really clicks for me. Uh, when you're saying about how, like, the execution doesn't work, but you, when you're think back of it, like, oh, yeah, what was Bo-Katan's story? Yeah, I like Bo-Katan's story. I like the – like, you yeah. like the story on paper. I kind of feel like the prequels to me, I like the story on paper with some exceptions, but they're very poorly executed. Mm. <clears throat> the sequels to me are very good execution of stories that I – well – have mixed feelings about how they interlock with one another at the least, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, exactly. I, I, I'm in the ballpark of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that people love some of them. You know, that's great. That's yeah. great. Enjoy what you enjoy. I'm not here to complain about them that much, but you brought it up again, so... Yeah, you know. no, it happened. It happened. <laughs> I apologize. No, you brought it up because you talked about how these movies were leading up to the, the sequels. And yeah, yeah, but then you brought up the prequels. I brought up the sequels. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Aaron, but they brought it up. They brought it up. Right bring it up you know? Prequel girly. But again, it's That's the okay. age gap in the times we grew up in, you know? We, we are the Greybeard. Hayden Christensen in that movie, or all those movies, not great. But I don't blame him personally. A lot of yeah. it is dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's George. The dialogue to the original Star Wars movie was apparently much worse than the final cut. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I realized I was being far too hard on part of why I didn't let part of why I was so anti Hayden is that I thought Matt Latner mm, as the voice actor for sure. Anakin and Clone Wars was so good. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Uh, the writing's better too. The thing that made me realize that I was being too harsh on Hayden as an actor was when I went back and watched uh I forget what it was, but I watched something that Natalie Portman was in that she was oh, really good right. in. Yeah. And I was like, oh right. If this good a quality actress can be made that bad by the writing and dialogue, by the writing and directing the prequels, then yeah, then maybe (laughs) – I can't judge Hayden's acting credit just based on this. And I will say because of that, uh, getting Ahmed Bast back, like it was not his redemption moment. It was Star Wars' redemption moment for not protecting him more when everyone attacked him. They made him voice act a horribly racist character and then didn't attack him when racists attacked him. I'm off on a tangent now, but yeah, that was great. I loved getting to see Zeb, just for a little bit of Rebels moment there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Zeb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I thought it probably was, but did they mention his name or it just was clearly him? Uh, in the credits. Oh, okay. Zeb. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Anything else? I'm good. Now that we've gone way off into our old talking <laughs> points of prequels and sequels. I like Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. Rise of Skywalker is just not a movie for me. Yeah. It's a very Temple of Doom movie. Anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, thank you both so much for being a part of this. To our patrons, thank you so much. You're what makes it possible. 